Marble Madness. Roll to the goal in a race against time. Welcome to Nostalgia, a chronological exploration of every NES game released in North America. I'm Mike. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. And I'm Sam. Sean, can we get an update on the uh, Marble Madness Manic episodes that you've been having as of late? <laughs> you mean you want you want me to talk about my psychological health right now? If, 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 you know, you, you I was wondering if... disclose this information on a podcast. I wanted to know if it's gotten any better now that you've played the game, if maybe that over, you know, like you overcame the disease. No, no, no. Exposure therapy does not work. Um, I'm even worse now, but thanks for telling all of our listeners. Well, for those of you that are like, what is Mike even talking about? Sean has been officially diagnosed with marble madness by a doctor uh, pretty recently, and it's a lot. It's it's a lot like Pac-Man fever, if you will. Yeah, there is also a fever element to it. <laughs> Joe, Sam, you don't have to be so quiet. It's okay. Sean's going to recover. I'm just. I just feel so bad. <laughs> I yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we got mo- very little to contribute between the two of us. You'll be okay. It's just marbles. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to lose your marbles over a game like Marble Madness. Uh, this is a platform game in which the, the player is a marble, and you've got to guide this marble. Actually, wait a minute. That's a good question. Let's just hold the phone here on the overview. Are you the marble, or are you controlling the marble as God? I think I, I, you're the marble in the same sense you're any other character you play like in a third-person game. Yeah, you, you bring problem. up a good you, you bring up a good point about like the theory of the self and of the mind. Like, are <laughs> we are are we just a complex interconnection of like our cells, or are we a person? Is the marble us, or are we just pressing buttons to influence a marble? I thought of myself as localized wind, just <laughs> blowing uh, the marble here and there. I mean, and that's kind of what I'm getting at, Sam. Is that you know, with Super Mario Brothers, you know you're Mario. It's not up for discussion. You're not Mario's conscience. You know, like you're just you are Mario. Mark Ryder, yeah. you know you are Mark Ryder. Yeah, yeah, you are Mark Ryder. Well, the game told you that. Yeah, uh, Joe specifically. I haven't forgotten. <laughs> and in this game, though, it's like it's a marble. So I don't think you should just immediately assume that you are the marble. In my my theory is you're the marble, but. Maybe you just think you're the marble, and that's why it's Marble Madness, and the whole thing is just a fever dream that Sean is having. You play as Sean. <laughs> See, I, I feel like if the if the stage were like tilting or something as you moved the way you basically control it, then I would be a little more. I'd be questioning: Okay, am I the marble, or am I the, the stage, or am I just the guy controlling, trying to trying to manipulate the marble? But since it's not, I mean, I feel like I'm I'm the marble. Oh, well, you're talking about like Super Monkey Ball. Yeah, where, like so you're, you, you're the stage, yeah. or you know those little things that like that you can get for a dollar at a knockoff store or something. Okay, well, Sean, don't be ridiculous. If you can buy it in real life, you're obviously not the marble. <laughs> <laughs> and this is part of his marble man <laughs> symptoms. He can't tell in real life if he's the marbles or not. <laughs> I am the marble. 
to get back to on track here, Marble Madness, platform game in which you guide a marble through courses populated with obstacles and I, I mean they like calling them enemies is kind of silly but they're I, they're more enemy like obstacles Shapes. yeah and you got to do this in a set time limit um per stage you know i think like uh the more the faster you complete the stage the more points you get but also like that time correct me if i'm wrong here it kind of gets like added to it your carries next stage. over yeah yeah so mm-hmm. it's also important to do this fast because you you need to build upon your time did uh did you guys feel like that was an a fair evaluation of Marble Madness? That is indeed what you do in Marble Madness, whether you you are of the camp that you are the marble or if you're just influencing a marble. I think it's also important to say that it's like a it's a three D world too. It's not too like an isometric, yeah. Yeah. It's a like a top down isometric not top down, isometric three D world. Yeah, that is important to say, um, because that's going to control a lot of the movement in this game. The isometric uh, is kind of similar to um, the the kart racing game that Rare also made. What's that? I was also going to say Qbert. Oh, Qbert. Yes, very true. Uh, I'm just linking Rare here together with RC Pro-Am, which was another one of their games. That is correct. Now, Rare didn't originally make this game, though, but I think it's just worth mentioning. Like, you could see you could see the parallels here. So, we're going to talk about the marble first. Doesn't matter if you are the marble or not. Don't worry about that. Um, unless you're going to have an existential crisis about it, in which case, you know, I'm sure there's a, a help hotline for that. The podcast can't really You guys really keep making you. light of the situation, and I really don't <laughs> appreciate it. Anyway, let's talk about movement of the marble, because that's pretty important, right? If the whole game is about moving the marble, how does it feel to control this marble? Uh, Joe, any uh, immediate thoughts come to mind about controlling the marble? I'll say it it takes a second to kind of get used to it. I mean, it's just the, just the fact that you're playing, you know, you're playing, you're controlling a marble using a D-pad and you don't have a joystick. Um, right off the bat gives you, like, some little issues. But I will say that once you sort of get the hang of it, you know, once you get the feel and, and understand, like, the the nuances of how it controls, it feels pretty good. Yeah. I'd say it's also a, like, a physics simulation, too. It's not just, like, it, it feels very realistic. It feels like when you move, you're not just moving your character. You're adding force in a direction. So there's, yeah, there's definitely think, momentum and... Yeah. Uh, like a like a curve to the speed at which you move. Mm-hmm. The game does a lot of graphics work too to uh, to simulate that feeling for you, right, Sam? Uh, you know, you were saying that um, it's physics based, but you can also kind of see the motion of your marble through that um, through that depth that they add on the top of the marble. You know, the uh, yeah, the, the like where the light source would hit mm-hmm. it. Uh, you, you can kind of see that move around as well, which helps let you know how out of control you are yeah your marble also has what is it like a ring of stars inside of it or something it's got some kind of design inside the marble itself i think that you can see move around that lets you know that it's a sphere yeah and that kind of it gives you also some uh hints as to what direction you're rolling um Mm -hmm. though you can see the marble rolling anyway but it definitely makes it feel a bit more like a solid object. Um, and uh, like the way that the marble controls too, like you get like the two options um, of like, so what perspective you want to treat it. 
uh, where you can like sort of play it as if it were Qbert with that weird like 45 degree angle thing or uh, just sort of like a one to one what you see on the screen is the direction you're going to go sort of thing. Um, right. It gives you the, the 90 or 45 choice. Um, I personally could not handle the 45. Uh, I did try both, and the 90 just seemed much more intuitive for my kind of play. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm the same way there. I looked it up in the manual, um, and they say that you're supposed to kind of hold your controller like a remote, and that's how you do the 45-degree grip. It's a special technique. I'm not really sure what the deal is with that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I but, saw that too. The like holding your holding your controller at a forty five degree angle, which seems like in principle, or not in principle, but you know, like in theory, seems like it would work well. But I feel like that's just even more confusing because even if you're holding it at a forty five degree angle, you you just automatically want to <laughs> want to treat the up button like the up button and not like the you know the northeast button. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't and really get that her- either. Because, like, if, if you treat it like that, that's sort of just like saying, like, turn your TV upside down and also hold your controller <laughs> upside down and uh, it'll still work. And so that's that's sort of like how I was like, why, why is this even an option? But I guess some people wanted it or are used to it or I don't know. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but the original controller for the arcade version was a ball that you would move around, right? Yeah, it was a trackball. Yeah. So I Which guess is obviously, just, like, the best option. Yeah, I guess they just, like, didn't know what to do to simulate that. They're like, oh, I guess you could hold it like a remote, and then uh, that's like a ball, right? And people are like, yeah, sure. It's the 80s. <laughs> we did see this on Qbert, though, me and uh, me and Sean, when we did that episode. Qbert also suggested, uh, like, you know, tilt the controller uh, a little bit different so this way you can play uh, t- with understanding the cubes better. I think we both ruled it out there, too, right, Sean? Oh, yeah. And it's also interesting that recently we've just been getting a lot of games that have some weird controller or, or like, control issues, like, just coming from the arcade, like, between this and Quarterback and uh, and Qbert. Uh, we're, we're, getting, we're getting a lot of things that aren't supposed to be on D-pads now on D-pads. <laughs> well, that's because the NES has established itself as the premier home console. So if your arcade game's worth anything, it would also be available on the NES. That's true. That's true. Um, All right, back to the marble for a second. With the movement, we we talked about that there is a time limit to each of these stages. Does the marble feel like it is speed? Like, do you feel fast using the marble? We mentioned that there's momentum and stuff. Do you, you know, does that hold it back? Does that help it? Did you wish the marble was faster, Sam? I think that I, I like the speed of the marble. I found that. If I try to hurry through stages, I, I usually mess up, and that it's better to just take it slowly and carefully, and then get to know the stages a lot better that way, than just trying to go down every path as fast as I can. So, and I, if I took it carefully, I was able to get through stages pretty easily. So yeah, yeah, that was the that was the thing that took me a little while to to get my head around because when you first play a game that's you know about a marble like this on a marble coaster you're thinking speed you know you're thinking like you want that momentum but that game's not really built around that idea the game's more built around like i don't know i feel like the game is meant to be played like you're supposed to be a little more cerebral about it and like think your way through and like the the momentum can help you try and get through the course but also it can 
it can be an obstacle too like because there's you know the, the the course is built with so many like very small narrow ledges and and whatnot uh it, it takes some time some time to kind of start thinking of it that way yeah. joe i think that's a great point because th- there's to the cerebral nature of it i remember thinking that even just the penalty for falling off the stage was too forgiving this is the this is like a short burst of stages i kind of feel like if you fall off a stage like that, it should be Super Mario Brothers level of consequences. Like that, you got to go back to the beginning of the stage, or you got, you know, like they're, they're yeah, not that's really like what that. Sort of long. surprised me. Like I would, I would agree that you're supposed to sort of take this carefully and be a bit more precise. But uh, when it really just warps you back like a few inches, and it you get control of your ball again pretty quickly, like you can kind of you can kind of come at this haphazardly. I know that like in terms of score. Uh, I think you do get some penalties, but it's 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 a still very small penalty. Um, so I, I think that does allow you to to try and get a little loose, though. Like it's not because um, like, because there's so few levels, like, and I would inevitably sort of run out of time by the end. Um, I played the first level pretty often, and by the end, by like my last playthrough, I, I could just sort of very quickly glide through it, and that does feel good. Um, it's just like a very short burst of that good feeling now. I, I actually thought that, um, the, like how forgiving it was, I was kind of, uh, surprised, but in a good way that they were like willing to make it so forgiving. Cause it was kind of in an age where nothing was that forgiving on the NES, you know? And, and I do think that I, I do agree that it, it makes you maybe not think quite as carefully as you would if you like got sent back to the beginning of the stage or something when you fell off. But I also think that that it was a good choice to not do that. I don't know. I feel like I feel like that would be too much. Like I feel like the punishment is that you lose time every time you fall off. You lose a couple of seconds, and while that might fe- seem small, you're, since your seconds all add up over the whole course of your playthrough, like once you get to level six, if you screwed up seven times in level one, that might be the the nail in your coffin. Like yeah, we won't even but, be yeah. able to finish it if you have yeah. a perfect run. And maybe this is just personal preference, but I feel like if I if I were to fall off every time I fell off, I went back to the beginning of the stage. I don't think I would enjoy this game very much. You don't think it would have taught you to play more cautiously, though? I think it would have definitely taught me to play more ca- cautiously, but I I think that that would have been. I mean, again, this is like a preference thing, but I think that that's that's across the line of what I between like enjoyable and and like egregious and. Yeah, yeah, like there's there's a, there's a level and there's a lot of things where it's like, you know, if you talk about like Dark Souls being punishing because it's punishing because you want to like learn. But with this, with I, I feel like it would just be, there'd be more of a barrier to entry, you know? Like I would just be like, okay, like I'm, I'm playing as a marble, I die every time, I don't get anywhere. That would take me so long to get to the next level that it would be like, is is it enough to keep me trying? Like, okay, I get it. I'm a marble. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, after a while, if it's so difficult, I'd probably probably put it down. And I, and I actually had the opposite effect. Giving me One thing that I think under, undercuts either play style, whether you're trying to, like, go for speed or go for precision and uh, thinking more carefully about it, uh, is just the level geometry and the perspective. Um, I don't know about you guys, but... There were a lot of situations that I feel like um, the whether it's just like the uh, 
if you want to call it like hitboxes of uh, the levels or just like the the moments on the stage where it signals you're following off now uh it felt a little like uh, it felt a little weird to me and not like one to one i think maybe there should there should have been a bit more wiggle room if you could like sort of hop a ledge a little bit um because i just fell in places that i didn't think i'd fall like i'm all for you know being punished for uh miscalculating my speed and going barreling off of a ledge but when it's when there are so many situations where I didn't think that that would have happened, and then it did, uh, it, it's not as enjoyable of, of an experience. Yeah, t- to roll off that idea, uh, uh, it's <laughs> it's also <laughs> it's also kind of interesting how easily your marble will shatter uh, in certain situations. Like sometimes the marble's cool with the shortcut and you're fine, but you know. If the game knows that you're kind of doing something it doesn't want you to do, like skipping a ledge or something like that, the ball just cracks in half and eats up a good amount of time, and then you have to wait for it to reanimate back on, too. I was a little surprised by that. I thought the game was encouraging shortcuts. I mean, some of the layouts have it built in where you can choose your own path and stuff. I was a little surprised to see that they didn't want you to, like, clip down if if it was possible. I'm not talking about jumping over in you know gaps or anything like that i'm talking about like even rolling down ledges if you can see the ground below you i think that's fair game to force your marble to roll off into that yeah they definitely have to redesign these levels then because the game would be trivially easy i feel like in a lot of situations um it gets a lot of it gets a lot of its difficulty out of the fact that you kind of see where you're going but if you were to take that shortcut you'd shatter um but no, I, th- I think in terms of like the game feel, uh, I was it was very unintuitive how little uh, wiggle room you had for fall damage. It was kind of like that 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 uh, sp- spelunker, like where you kind of jump half a foot and then your legs crunch from under you. It was that sort of feel to me. I had the same the same uh, feeling at first too, and then I kind of started to treat it as like. Okay, well then the game is to just stay flat on the ground or you know flat or on an incline or whatever, but to not like leave the ground because then you then you'll break and then you lose time. But then uh, there were a couple times where part of the course the was going jumps, off a ledge, yeah. yeah. Where then I was then it did feel a, a little bit troublesome because it was it was like they had times where they you know they intended you to jump and times where they don't. And sometimes it wasn't that easy to like tell those apart. Yeah, I agree completely. Um, there, there isn't enough like internal rule following, uh, for it to feel all that uh, quite right. But after a couple playthroughs, like you, you, you end up learning, but I think that's sort of like a lazy way to approach it. <laughs> the momentum thing also matters there too, though, because there's some where, you can only reach those gaps if you have a good amount of speed built in, too. And uh, that's that's a punishing thing to find out as well, uh, that you have to kind of go back a little bit and recreate your momentum and dodge the obstacles in order to clear uh, certain paths.
these layouts with the, you know, uh, the varying, uh, the, the difficulty definitely shifts. Uh, the first level, I think, is designed just to, you know, give you a feel of how to control the marble. Then they introduce an obstacle here or there, and then they introduce different ideas of how to get through a course. I personally found the difficulty in the later, uh, I think there's, is there five or six levels? I found the there's difficulty six. in the later, like, yeah, the last, like, three levels have things in them that are also just so different than the beginning parts of the game that I struggle to think of how you're supposed to, you know, like, uncover the idea of how to how to conquer this stuff when you're only seeing it in glimpses, uh, you know, because of your time. So you have to, like, keep getting back to them and then relearn them when you finally get back to that part. Uh, I, di- I didn't enjoy that aspect of it. I thought they could have taught you everything that the game needed you to know about beating it uh, throughout the entirety of the game rather than introducing it in a particular stage at its most challenging point. Yeah, the only time that you see a uh, a platform sort of move or kind of disappear and reappear uh, is the literal like last stretch of the entire game. Um, and at, at first glance, when you get to that jump, or what looks like a jump, you think it's just a jump, but no, you have to slow the hell down um, and wait for the platform below you to materialize and then sort of try and stick with that. It didn't really have any... Like, It's not like there were uh, mechanics that built off of each other. It was just over the course of this game, there'd be an idea and then it would disappear. And then there'd be another idea and then you wouldn't see it again. Uh, so I thought that that was... It just wasn't very... Uh, it didn't have a consistency to it. I th- I'm willing to forgive it, though, because there are only six levels... I think that the fact that they're so different from each other and that they have all these different uh, all these different ideas that kind of come out of nowhere and catch you off guard, I think that helps elongate the game. And I don't think it does it in a cheap way that some games do because I feel like it is kind of easy to get back to that point after you find out this new thing that stumps you. And if you get there once, then you can get there again. Okay, so yes, the the shortness of the game, like the six stages, I'm not asking them to build any more stages. Like, I think that actually, believe it or not, is appropriate because people who are amazing at this game will just continue to try to beat it faster and faster, and people who uh, can't master a certain stage can get back to it relatively quickly. I think what I'm asking for is, you know, the designers to take a look at you know, Super Mario Brothers level of teaching you how to do something. So to Sean's point, right, the invisible uh, or the teleporting platforms that you learn at the very last part of the game, that level could have had more of that just in a way where it's like, you know, one platform reappears and disappears first and you clear that section. And then it's like, you know, uh, three of them like appear on and off, and then finally you get to the one where it like staggers, and you you know by that point it's up to you to take what you learned from the first two obstacles and bring it into the third. I'm a little surprised that the game only like really offers these things immediately at their most challenging. I think that's the argument I'm making. I get that. Oh. I think that for that to I think that this game does need more levels because it's just such a short experience. Like I was able to. Not, I didn't actually um, 
do this all in one sitting, but like over a short amount of playing period, like I did beat the game. I know that you're supposed to be able to beat the game pretty easily, and it's all about like getting a higher score and having better times, but I just didn't think that, that, that there's enough content here. I think that like in able to like sort of implement what you're saying, Mike, you would need sort of sub levels or maybe like some some levels between all of these levels uh, to have like that like lower stakes version of teaching mechanics. And I think that the game would just have more value that way too. Um, because I, I these it's like a six minute, ten minute game if you were to just like complete it outright. <laughs> So, well, even if you per- pretend if you're not even the best kind of player, right? It's still only a 10-minute game because that's how, like, that's the max amount of time they give you yeah. to beat the entire game. So even if you're not great at the games, I think what's funny is is that it had the reverse effect on me where I was playing the game pretty fast at first. Like, I was like, yeah, I own this marble. And then I kept dying in the fourth stage, I want to say. So I looked up the game on YouTube to just see some things. And I saw what the final stage was, and I was like, well, I'll never beat that, so I might as well take the rest of the game pretty slow and not care about <laughs> defeating the game. So I agree that, that it can only be a positive thing to add more le- levels, and I, and I think that that, you know, that that would be an improvement. But I, it didn't bother me so much that, like... Like, all right, so the example that you guys keep using about the those those platforms that are appearing at the end of the level, yeah, when you first get there, it probably would kind of suck when you first get there, and, and that's what screws you because you didn't know it was coming. But but I will say pretty quickly, you see what's happening and you understand what you're supposed to do. It's it's mastering that ability that, that may, might take some time. But, you know, I, I, I kind of see these levels each as, like, their own little level to master. Um and I think that one other thing that maybe we're not looking at, just because of the nature of the way we do this podcast, is that I think that this game shines mostly as a two-player game. Like, I think that that's where where this game is, like, has has the most value because of the race racing mechanic. somebody else. So it's like you come up to this obstacle and one of you's got to master it before the other one does, and it's just like a frantic race to try and try and beat this obstacle so like i said i do think it would be better to have more levels but i think that just having like kind of like sam said these six levels that are each very unique from each other and it's like okay this time i'm going to try and master the like reverse gravity level i mean i'm saying that fully aware that like the game doesn't let you just select whichever level you want to jump into so you do have to like get there each time but uh still i i think that it i still think it works were you able to play this two-player I wasn't, so so I'm kind of talking like I'm kind of talking out of like just my no. Uh, I just usually you, baseless you do opinion. find a way, but um, yeah, I agree that I would have more fun two player probably, um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's going to have to be the next time I approach this game is when someone plays with me. But going back to the the six stages, I think you know the, having that in the home console version is understandable for the time period, but we're also talking about this game in 2021 and it's not really like forgivable anymore if we're if we're reviewing it today. This home console version should have absolutely had like an arcade mode where you play these six and it's a race for time and then like, you know, a hundred levels of, of various marble madness layouts because, you know, 
I'm not a game designer by any means, but I could imagine there's a lot more that you could add to this kind of concept, and it's shocking that they never did. Like, these, oh, yeah, yeah. these six levels are Marble Madness always. Like, it's they, not like, never more, never less. Yeah, it's not like this is just like, uh, no, we're only going to use the purest designs, and anything more would just be would just be fluff. Like, no, you. there's a lot of interesting things you can do with this with, with these uh, trial runs. Um, you could double or, yeah, add 100 levels here, and it wouldn't feel flat. Right, and so I think that's what the home console version needed because you could even, at that point, you could remove the time limit part and just make it about navigating your marble throughout those stages and, you know... You could get even crazier with uh, the amounts of enemies on screen or the the narrowness of of the uh, passageways. I'm, I'm sure that in another universe that exists. But for some reason, Marble Madness is the only game in its franchise. My God. Doesn't seem right. We're, we're in the wrong timeline. <laughs> to my next point what if there was no time limit in this game specifically for the home console version too like i get it in the arcade you want to eat people's quarters blah 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 blah. we've been there for the home console version if there was a version of this game where you play the same exact layouts and everything but now it's like a a a no time limit easy mode of the game would you have welcomed that just to have another way to experience the game and take your time and learn the mechanics of the later stages? I think because the game is so short that if you take out the time limit, you take out really the challenge. Yeah, it needs like, to have like some kind of pressure, whether it's yeah. a time limit or lives or some other thing. Uh, you can't just sort of have it be a free roam racer. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Lives would be an interesting alternative, though, because then that would give you the time to like really take your time around a corner. Or really, I mean, maybe that would also be a very different easy, experience, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Maybe maybe there's like a mode. There's timed mode and there's lives mode, you know. Yeah. Absolutely. And and what about more, uh, more tricks, too? Uh, and by that I mean like shortcuts, um, passageways, uh, you know, we're we're kind of designing new layouts. We can't really think about ways we would add to the current game, but like, I I think of this especially even from the multiplayer side of it too. Uh, you want to uh, find the best way to to race to the finish, and I feel like sometimes there's only one path, and that's not really uh, all that interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's another another thing that goes with what what we all keep suggesting is having more levels. I think you could. I think this is just this. Just inherently has the potential for so many different ideas to be implemented in so many different like crazy layouts and and weird tricks and weird you know obstacles and stuff that yeah I think it would definitely benefit from like tons of creativity on that level. And how about that music? Music is dope. It's great music in this game. Uh, I would welcome more music. I feel like if you beat the last. Um, 
like the last level, then you should go back to the first one and have like new music when you play it or something. Or hey, m- new new levels means new music. You, you get you get the best of both worlds there. That's true. I'm telling I like that these though, designers. Sam. The idea that like if you beat it, you get to go back and there's like crazier sound effects and like, stuff, uh, a different aesthetic. To like the, the mock rider kind of treatment where you get that new song unlocked after you make it to however many levels. Yeah, that's a and that's like it's not even a new song, it's like a slight adjustment to a part of the original song. So like yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> the the music in the NES version is re- is really cool and I think David Weiss, um who's the rare composer guy who makes all your uh favorite rare game music, uh Diddy Kong Racing, Banjo-Kazooie, all that. Uh he worked on the NES versions, but the arcade version, uh, where this thing all started, that version is somehow even trippier and like more out there in terms of uh, of the music and of the aesthetic of the game and just like the idea of like a marble in a uh, you know in a CG world in space. Like there's something very that Treehouse of Horror six, I think it is, where Homer goes to uh, the CG world in that he finds in his living room. Oh, yeah. it's like that, you know. Like there's just something. It feels wrong to be in the <laughs> Marble Madness world, you know. Like, like we don't we don't belong there, and we're intruding on the marbles space. That's why those little green lampreys are trying to get us. So you feel um, like an intense anxiety uh, when you hear that music with this game. There's yeah, it's definitely like Windows ninety five. It's now safe to turn off your computer. That's perfect. But that's it's like, funny though because I was one. gonna say that some of the tracks in the NES version give like give me this anxiety. I think it's the the third level has like a very like rapid and like I don't know anxious like circus sounding soundtrack, and uh, and that makes it like. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of cheating to say this because I didn't play two players, but the whole time I was kind of treating it like I'm practicing for when I actually play against somebody else. And and it seems like, you know, it's a frantic race where it's like you got to you're balancing like how fast you want to go with how careful you want to be. And like that music kind of I feel like makes adds to that like tension and anxiety. And And in the fourth level also where you get this like you get this like what sounds like a like a demonic like boss's dungeon in like any other sort of like platformer in the, in you know, all the platforms are like red and everything. And it just feels like, I don't know. I, I'm just imagining racing someone and being like your heart racing because you're like trying to balance that caution with, with, uh, what's the opposite of caution? Forget. Not Safety? rashness. No. The, what's the, it would be yeah. I'm getting the vibe that we're all just very anxious people, and my my mental illness related to marbles <laughs> is not the only one. I wouldn't say that I'm anxious while playing this game. I think it just it creates an interesting environment. And yes, Joe, like the NES version definitely has that. I was just giving the arcade a moment there because it definitely like is that times ten. Like I think it's the fifth stage. There's something about it where you're you're now you start at the bottom. And you have to climb, like, up the mountain. And that also feels wrong. Even though I've only been playing this game for six minutes. All of a sudden, I'm like, wait, now we're going the other way? Like, what is happening? You know, like, there's so there's so much... Um, it's not dread. 
you know, uh, but there's so much confusion going on in Marvel Madness in the sense of, of purpose and being and abstractness that I'm totally here for it. Like, I love that about it, and I actually couldn't, even though I could never get close to beating the game, I couldn't put it down because of this feeling it gives. Yeah, and well, to add to what you're talking about with that level that's going up, um, just so the listeners know, too, that that, that level is particularly uh unsettling because not only are you going in the opposite direction as normal but gravity on the inclines and declines is inverted so you like roll up inclines as if you're rolling down a hill which really just makes you have to like think about it's like when it's like when the left and right control is inverted in a game and you gotta think about wait am i gonna go left or am i gonna go right when i press this it's like it's very um confusing and in such now, you a, could just turn your TV upside down and everything would be fine. <laughs> but gravity and, when you're falling or on a flat plane still works normally, so that would still be confusing. And to the listeners at home, you could have uh, finished uh, this game maybe three or four times uh, in the time that we've been talking about it. <laughs> if you're good at it. If you're good I mean, at it. This took me like a couple hours to get to get to that. I didn't even beat it. I got to the last level, but I could not beat that last uh, <laughs> that last part. So one thing that I thought was a little weird was the the little magic wand that comes after your guy that resurrects you. Or I had one case where I was at the top of a hill and I couldn't go any further and my, my marble stopped. And then a magic wand came and tapped me and I got a little extra boost to make it to the top of the hill. Did Did anyone else have any weird magic wand experiences or want to kind of like deconstruct this weird magic wand i i think i thought that like gave you time i i really don't know uh like it, yeah it would randomly do it i thought that it was sort of in the same vein as like the um like uh, when you when you crush yourself accidentally it'll it'll come and sweep you up but um i don't i don't really know what it was doing half the time i just let it happen yeah, I only ever had it grant me an extra 10 seconds, but I have no idea what triggered it. It feels like it happens when you're like steering the ball really well because it was always it was always um appearing when nothing else was really going on. It just kind of halted my gameplay for a second and I'm like, "Huh. What was that about?" Like I I, could, I couldn't quite tell if I'd done anything right, but I definitely wasn't uh, you know, I was I was being cautious during those moments, so maybe it's like a reward. Mhm. Hmm. Now, you reminded me too, uh, Sam, that like other than like adding time and stuff, there is another thing to do in this game other than push around the D-pad, and that is the turbocharging. Uh, pressing the A button uh, gives you a little extra burst of speed. Did anybody actually experience that extra burst of speed and use it to their advantage? Uh, I tried yeah. quite a bit, but I could not notice any burst of speed i mean do you need to you need to like collect points before you can use it or something no. i tried a lot to use that no there were a couple times that like i don't know i i approached either a jump or an incline um with uh like it just wasn't enough momentum to 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 clear it um but then if you just re- return and then hold the uh whichever button hold the the turbo okay. button down um you can like it does make you faster. It's it's was clear to me at least. Okay, because because I I did use it a couple times to like try and jump, but I could never tell. Like, did 
did I use it or did I just happen to get lucky that time? Like it was never noticeable to me. But there were there was like one or two times where I jumped from one ledge to another, a jump that I'd been missing, and I made it. But visibly, it didn't look like anything changed when I press A. So I wasn't sure if it was just coincidence. Yeah, it definitely gives you a a, a bit of a, a a bit more power there. It is a it's a it's a dangerous thing though too because it, sometimes depending on if you're going down a ramp or if you're in a narrow passageway, like it's already pretty hard and easy uh, to lose control of your ball and then to also be like turbocharging. I imagine that for speed runs, you're just constantly mashing the A button as you're going through the level. Yeah, you definitely got to decelerate when uh, like immediately after using whatever, uh, using that to clear whatever obstacle you're trying to get by. But that's a really satisfying part of the game too, right? Like, there's something where you're going really fast, and then you have to make a turn, and you're, like, pumping the brakes, you know? you're Whatever direction you're going in, you're holding the two buttons on the D-pad that, like, break in the opposite direction, and it's really satisfying to watch the ball, like, halt and not fall off the cliff and instead just inch its way back over. I really like that part. Yeah, and I think that's where it derives most of, like, the, the enjoyment of playing it is, um, uh, is just getting that down. And getting that flow, yeah. An interesting thing I thought I found about the like those physics is that it it did feel like very very realistic. Like the way you know if you're if you're inching towards a ledge and, and like coming to a halt has like you don't come to a direct halt immediately enough. You know you still have that momentum going, and it feels it feels realistic. But but the funny thing is when you really think about it. Unless you're going down a decline or going going up an incline, if you're on a flat plane, like those physics don't really translate to anything in the real world because your motion is coming from you pushing the marble in some way or controlling the marble. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it like like I'll be on a ledge and being like inching closer, and it feels like yeah, I, I can't just like with a character that takes a step, take one step closer. I press it and it move and it rolls a little bit and it feels like a realistic amount of roll for like one press for the amount of time I'm pressing it, but I don't know what that actually means. A realistic amount of roll for what I'm pre- that that doesn't trans in real world. I'm not controlling a marble. That's only Sean. But <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Like I don't know if I'm even articulating yeah, that right. But it's like I, I get what you're saying. It's because it's a physics simulation, so you're adding a little bit of just a tiny bit of force to it. Yeah, and then it's well the calibrated. More force yeah, like the more force that you add, like the longer you hold down a button or a direction, the more force is added, and it keeps adding force, and that's what gives you momentum. Yeah, I guess I guess I was just like impressed with how intuitive it ended up feeling when like they were kind of starting from scratch. You know, it it, it wasn't like they had to use the physics of like what what a marble would do on a forty five degree angle. They had to just like make up like okay, how much pressure, how much force are you putting on the marble? Marble Madness is also the creator of gaming icon Knack from Knack <laughs> and Knack 2. The Knack? Uh, that, that is Mark Cerny, um, who's now like a pretty big deal at PlayStation, right? 
feel like he works on everything that they do. Um, and, and at least has, like, a, a thank you in the credits. Uh, as recently as even, like, that new Miles Morales Spider-Man game. Um, I don't even know, like, how you could be involved in something like that and also be, in, you know, like, busy working on Knack 3 at the same time. Like, <laughs> I don't think I don't he should... He... he shouldn't be splitting his time on anything else but Knack 3 to make it the best game it can possibly be. But but for real, M- Mark Cerny's credit list is really underappreciated, and we were just kind of going over it before the show, but, I mean, the guy is, like, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, um, Ratchet & Clank, uh, Uncharted, like, all, all these gigantic PlayStation games. But he started here with Marble Madness. And, in fact, before Marble Madness, I think he was trying to make a video game adaptation of Michael Jackson's Thriller, and um, <laughs> that that just didn't work out. So he was like, oh, you know what? I actually, I'm also into marbles. <laughs> so he made the original Marble Madness, the arcade version. Yes, he made the arcade version of Marble Madness. And uh, uh, other people worked on it with him, of course. But um, he was the game designer. Uh, he had a job at Atari and pitched a few different ideas at first. I think a lot of it had to do with like either miniature golf or inspired by miniature golf style controls. And Atari was like, nah, we don't really want to, we don't really want to do that. And he goes, okay, well, what if I do miniature golf with racing? And they're, and they're like, tell us more. And somehow Marble Madness came out of that. Uh, I'm sure I should have read some more of the book, but that's the gist of what I got. So from, from that, I think once, once the game's objective became more around a race theme and a, a race against time specifically, uh, the idea of what you could do with a marble became Marble Madness, and it was in the arcades, and it was a huge hit, actually. Um, but, you know, now we think of... I, I don't think anybody thinks of Marble Madness and Mark Cerny together, but, like, this was his... This <laughs> I, don't really think about, I don't really think about Marble Madness that much, so... <laughs> well, I also don't think people think about Mark Cerny that much either, right? Like, video gamers know who Shigeru Miyamoto is. I wouldn't say every video gamer knows who Mark Cerny is. I didn't I until know. today. Okay, then I guess you're proving me wrong right away before I even said my point. Because I was going to say I thought we all would have known. Uh, Never heard of him. Like, no, yeah, I, like I, I don't know too much about his resume. But when you said Mark Cerny, I was like, oh, yeah, Mark Cerny. You know, the PlayStation guy is what I think of him as. But right, right. Maybe just because I just remember hearing him from E3s. And I played a lot of Ratchet and & Clank and, and Crash Bandicoot and Spyro and all those games. So why didn't... Cerny go on to make Marble Man, Marble Madness 2. So, wait, say that again? Like, why would it, if you're Mark Cerny, right, and you just made Marble Madness and it's a hit and everything like that, why wouldn't you go on to make Marble Man, Marble Madness 2? Why isn't, why why is it called Marble Man? (laughs) Well, because Marble Man, Marble Madness 2 was the arcade sequel oh. <laughs> that was planned for release in 1991. And although Mark Cerny was was uninvolved in development, the game did get a prototype release in several arcades, and there is video footage of this game in action. It just was never <laughs> officially released. So my question stands, why wouldn't Mark Cerny want to be involved in Marble Man, Marble Madness 2? I think that I think- the whole situation was just too perfect personal to him and to see it turned into this capitalist scheme to just make more money like i wouldn't want to see that happen to my baby marble madness either you either die a marble madness or you (laughs) live long enough to become marble man 2 or whatever it was (laughs) 
No, I think that, Marble yeah. Marble Man I think does sound like the existential crisis that Sean is having. <laughs> He's got Marble Man syndrome. <laughs> I feel like it's like, yeah, he, he Marble Madness is a, is a game that is just exactly what it wants to be. It wants to be a game where marbles roll down these courses, and it's, you know you don't you don't see somebody inventing football too. It's just football, and there's no hockey too. It's like it's like a sport. <laughs> you 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 want to you he wants those players to spend their time mastering it. Getting Marble better Madness ninety two. Yeah yeah yeah. You just get new marbles to play as, but it's all the same, all the same courses. Marble Man, Marble Madness 2, did have a couple of uh, extra features, though, okay? Joe, you were excited about the multiplayer in Marble Madness. Imagine your excitement when they add a whole other player to the mix, up to three players in Marble Madness 2. Wow. I love it. The more the Why couldn't they just do four? No, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I wouldn't do that at all. <laughs> There was also going to be a pinball minigame in between levels, uh, where I imagine you control the marble and not the actual um, pinball machine. That's a cool and idea. And like there was going to be power-ups hmm. that your marble I, it, that, could get. Th- that almost gives me some... I know it's different, but it almost gives me some uh, Kirby's Dream Course vibes. Yeah, you know? that's true. That's true. Uh, I think the power-ups were going to include stuff like invincibility and, or uh, invisibility against other players. Uh, and apparently flight was going to be another uh, power-up that you could fly with your marble. Wait, so invisibility or invincibility? See, I said invincibility, but I think it's invisibility. But how could you do that on sound one... like a power-up. How could you do that? Oh, this is the arcade. Like, are there two screens? Or... <laughs> like, how could no, you do no, that? No, no, the marble would just be gone. <laughs> oh, so like, you can't see it you either? Like, you're the either. one controlling it? <laughs> Correct. Okay. Oh, so the other the person, the other person gets the power up, and then you turn invisible. It's a punishment that they set on you. Right. I'm assuming. I, okay. I suppose. I suppose. I never played it because it never came out because <laughs> it didn't perform well uh, up against games like Street Fighter Two. So you could understand that, like, they were like, "Hmm, this niche marble game isn't really competing with the genre-defining fighting game." Con- I don't know why that we weren't. I'm just cracking for. up right now. <laughs> We, we we got like really set on that invisibility thing. Well, I was so confused on that. <laughs> so because it didn't take off, the arcade system boards for the sequel were rumored to have been destroyed to clear inventory for tax purposes. Something about that sentence doesn't sit well with me. This I don't is... think tax purposes are required. Like you know, oh, make sure you make sure you burn those boards before the tax people find no, out. No, I, I think is... that Mark Cerny um, actually got his justice and convinced the CEO uh, to destroy them and not to and, and not to diminish his labor of love with, with this with this piece of garbage sequel. Yeah, I'm, I imagine it kind of like um, like a seal door in Lord of the Rings, like trying to throw the ring in, and, and Mark Cerny is like behind him saying, like, throw it in. <laughs> we have to destroy I it. Underst- I think what wound up happening was at the time, Cerny wanted to work on um, Marble Madness 2, but he had huge gambling debts. And at the time, to- <laughs> you know, Atari was like, you've got to leave the company for a little bit while you have these gigantic gambling debts. Travel to Japan. Go work with Sega, make Sonic the Hedgehog 2 for like a year, and then come back and work for us when the, de- when the gambling debts are cleared. And that's exactly what he went to do. So that's why he didn't work on Marble Madness 2. Is this, is that real? I thought you just made that up. 
Well, so he did work on Sonic the Hedgehog oh, too. Okay. <laughs> no gambling debts <laughs> that we no, know of. No, yeah. no gambling debts, but uh, true true believers will know exactly who I'm actually referencing uh, in that story. Huh. I'll stay out of the loop right now. That's cool. Um, all right, so that's Marble Madness. There are no other sequels or spinoffs of this game, although I guess you could say, you know, we listed Super Monkey Ball, and I'm sure there's a bunch of other games where you play uh, either as balls or marbles or what have you. Uh, Kirby's Dream Course, too, also feels like a, a an inspired spiritual successor, right, Joe? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's... It's got you got a different goal in Turk Kirby's Dream Course for sure, but it's like the same kind of same sort of physics and the same sort of like it utilizes a lot of the same elements. The inspiration is definitely there, though, and of course, Marble Madness would get ported to everything, not just the NES. Weirdly enough, it did get a port to the Game Boy Advance, where they removed the last three levels, so there's just three levels. Oh my god! And people paid for that. <laughs> That's wow. bizarre. I, I, obviously, six levels is better, but I still think that there's just something about this game that that maybe it, you know maybe I'm the only one who kind of saw it this way. But it was like, even with just so few levels, I, I think the fun of this game is like mastering those levels, getting better at you know at controlling this marble and the physics. Regardless of like, it would, like you know, it'd always be better to have more levels. But I think I could, I think like if I were to get really into this, I could sink a lot of time into these six levels and even three levels. What if it only level. included the title screen? I would play <laughs> That'd be that. Perfect. That's all I want. Be better than Stack Up. <laughs> it's true because Stack Up is not a video game. Maybe by definition it is, but whatever. All right, that's Marble Madness, and that's Mark Cerny. And um, yes, he does not have any gambling debts. Please don't sue me for slander. <laughs> um, it's time for something that uh, nobody on the internet will slander, and that is the Essential Games List. Sean. Regardless of the fact that you have Marble Madness and that you also may own a copy of Marble Madness, don't let that influence your vote on the Essential Games list for Marble Madness. Well, I'm not going to lie. It's going to be hard because this game did ruin my life. Um, and I'll feel the effects of this sickness for uh, at least the rest of my 30s. Um, but I, I think that just the, the size of this game, I know that it's all about mastery. Uh, and I, I think that that is enough for me to say that this is not an essential game. I, I can't just play the six levels over and over. Um, I do, I do like how it feels. Uh, I think that there's a lot that can be done with this. Um, I don't know if it'll ever be essential level, but it, it's a neat product. It's a, yeah, so not essential. Sam. All right, so this game, the second I started playing it, it hooked me. The music, the atmosphere, the contro- the level of control that you have, uh, it just, this is like my kind of game, NES game or any kind of game. This is like, I didn't know I was a marble guy until this game. Well, no, I, I watched that the YouTube series with all the marbles it raised. But, you know, um, I didn't realize I was a marble video game guy until this game. Um, and I have not played a game like this. And I am going to say that this is an essential NES game. And a really great game that everyone should check out. So we have 
one no and one yes. Joe, would you care to uh, put in your weight? So it, it was a tough decision, but but Sam, I'm, I'm with you, actually. I, I also think that, that this is essential. And, and I do see that there are plenty of places to improve this game. Um, and, you know, there's there's... You can, I mean, not having a D-pad for one would, would, would definitely make this better. But, but, you know, I got used to the D-pad pretty quickly. And I was just so impressed with how this did the physics of it. And, and I, I feel like it's giving me like a little bit of a similar feeling to when we played Duck Hunt, which I, I know it's obviously totally different, but in the sense that Duck Hunt is just like, it's just the tools to do, to, you know, to like do this target practice. Thing. And this is just kind of like a tool to like, I, I don't know, it's like this, it's even though it's the same thing over and over again, you can like master just this skill of controlling this marble and, and getting faster and faster, beating your time. But more importantly, I think that I know, I know it's weird for me to say this because I haven't played two player, but I think that just playing two player in this game would be so much fun because it's, it's all about like, it's all about that like management of, you know, of, uh, of your risk, you know, and, and watching the other player and saying like, okay, I, I got to get ahead of them. So like, may, maybe I got to start playing risky because they're ahead. And if you're ahead, I can start playing, you know, playing more carefully and, and, you know, mastering those physics in like a way that feels like it somewhat translates to like the real world. Like if you were, if you were able to control a marble, like with a remote control, it feels, it feels realistic. I'm rambling, but, uh, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes. I'll give this an essential vote. Okay. That's two yays, one nay. And I am the final vote here. You know, there's something funny about marble madness because, uh, this happens a lot with when we experience a new kind of game on the NES for the first time, you don't, you don't have anything to really judge it against. Uh, and you're kind of like impressed. You're like, wow, I can't believe another person did something different on the NES. Like, huh, good company. Maybe a chance for the essential games list. Because usually with the essential games list, you look at the games that are on there and you say, okay, well, it's not better than this. So why would it also be on this list? But when games like Marble Madness pop up, you're like, well, there's really nothing to grade this against. And I think that's something that's really cool about about this type of game. It really still holds up today, the, the idea and the concepts that are laid out there. And yet at the same time, it, you know, I don't want to sound like I'm saying the exact same thing again, but it doesn't hold up today. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's, there's something going on here where, like, there's just, there's not enough levels for me, especially on a, on a home console version. I'm not really playing the way that I want to be playing this game, which would be with a trackball. Um, or like a mouse or something, at least like something that gives me a little more fluid control. And, uh, there's, there's not enough user driven decision here, uh, with the marble. I was really expecting to take more advantage of shortcuts and, uh, and potential risk reward systems than what the game eventually offered me as just like, uh, here's what we've designed. Make your way through this. Even in a game as different as Super Mario Brothers. A lot of that game lets you choose to go above the blocks or below the blocks and based on where the enemies are and how you'll deal with that. Uh, yes, there are gaps in the platforms and you have to jump over those to continue the level. Same thing happens here in Marble Madness. I just think ultimately uh, Marble Madness could have had a lot more user decision involved instead of just being a race against time. And that's why I'm not going to put it on the Essential Games list because there's... 
there's certainly a new idea here and it's awesome and it's great and everything like that but they could have done a lot more with it and they didn't push it enough to be on the essential games list it's absolutely a play it it feels like i've got to track down an arcade version of this and marble madness is a place that i would just like to go i'd like to be there and just experience marble madness in in their uh weird isometric world and i would be some kind of isometric block there trying to chase down the marble with anxiety but i strongly yeah, disagree with that i i don't want to go anywhere near this place but at the end of the day i cannot put it on the essential games list um uh, knowing that the essential games list here is for is for NES games. I just don't think it I don't think it hit all the right corners for me on an NES game. Our essential arcade game remains to be seen. I definitely got to go uh, check down a cabinet. Uh, so because it's two to two, the essential games list rules say that that is not an essential game, and so this will definitely be one that we will look at in our best of eighty nine episode. Right? I would imagine. I'm against it. Yeah. What? <laughs> Maybe you'll play two player and come around. Maybe. Yeah. Rare has a really I... tough time with the essential games list. Like we we always like get so close to putting their games on. Uh RC Pro Am Slalom. Slalom, Slalom was on Madness. <laughs> well, no, you know what I'm saying? No, it, it was like it was on, now it's off. It should like, be on it. RC Pro Am almost had a chance, then we changed the rules. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we hate Rare because of what they did to Banjo-Kazooie, and I will never (laughs) forgive them for it, and they can't be on the Essential Games list. It's political. I don't hate you, Rare. I want Marble Madness on. Bring me a port of Sea of Thieves to the NES, and I will play. (laughs) I'd play that. Uh, It's it's called Pirates. Sid Meier's Pirates? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Great game. Good work, Rare. Next week, we have a really big game as well. Uh, Marble Madness is a big game, no doubt. Uh, Again, like, I think we're all saying you gotta at least give it a try, which is something we don't always agree on. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's essential that you give it a try. No. We all agree on that. (laughs) (laughs) It's an essential try it. (laughs) Essentially, you should give it a try. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, now, next week, though, Ninja Gaiden. Okay? That's a big game, uh, that a lot of people have opinions on. And so I know that everyone on this podcast is going to do their homework and we are going to deliver some crazy long episode that just gets into the philosophy of ninjas in modern times. No, but for real, we are going to be talking about Ninja Gaiden, uh, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Gaiden, Ninja Garden. Ninja Gaiden. Uh, yeah. Seems Ninja Garden Plants vs. Zombies. Um, it could all happen and it's going to happen next week. And you can read a bunch of cool Ninja Gaiden stuff on our Twitter at NostalgiaCast. I'll be posting a lot of promotional work and rare behind-the-scenes looks at stuff. Like, we, we always dig deep for these big games. So don't just expect to see the cover of the box, although that will be the very first post of the week. So forgive me for seeing the cover of the box that you pro- probably likely have seen before in your lifetime. It's just to introduce the game of the week. Something we do every week on the Twitter at NostalgiaCast. Now, you know who else is on Twitter? Me, at Esposito Film. And that is a place that you can talk to me, too, if you're like, hey, just so you know, I think you made the right call putting Marble Madness on the non-essential games list. I'd say, wow, that's a weird way to word uh, a (laughs) sentence, but you've said it like that, and now I will reply to you. Uh, Or you could tweet at me and say, hey, I know Joe doesn't have a Twitter handle, but he's right, and you're an idiot. (laughs) <laughs> now that would be very rude I'll be make rude. a Twitter <laughs> if someone says that okay uh, Joe, don't hold me to that don't hold me to that 
we'll Joe see. already has like four Twitter accounts that he's just hiding. He's yeah. he's actually oh, all of the does. followers of Nostalgia Cast are actually just Joe's other handles. Yeah, I'm actually also all four of us. Are you John B? <laughs> I cannot answer that. John B remains a mystery, but he is a very generous man. He is one of our donors, and uh, you don't have to donate to the show to listen to it, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, you'll think about John B tonight and say, wow, he is like pretty much single-handedly funding Nostalgia Cast. <laughs>